You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get more perspective now from the investment side. With our question of the day, what are you feeling, fear or greed? Joining us now is Jenny Johnson, president and CEO of Franklin Templeton, with over $1.4 trillion in assets under management. She joins us now from the Greenwich Economic Forum. Jenny, it's so wonderful to see you. Um, you did, we just heard a lot from Rich Clarida on sort of where yields could go, where inflation could go in the labor market. Are you in, would you recommend investing right now for fear or greed? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that the, uh, the good news is it feels like the, the big recession that people feared with rates going up so quickly, uh, it, it feels like we at least have a soft landing. Uh, maybe it's a recession, but it's certainly not a bad one. Um, the the challenge I think is whether or not the Fed can can you know there there are some headwinds to getting inflation down. Look at the wage pressure on things like uh, the the auto strike and you know there was a lot of discussion. If they're successful, you'll start to see other unions striking. And sure enough, today you had the seventy five thousand employees at Kaiser Permanente going out on strike looking for wage increases. Those, those are going to be very inflationary. Uh, oil, obviously, the price of oil shirts down a little bit, but it's still high. Uh, so, look, my gut is that the, the Fed raises one more time. Why not? It, it's built into the market. Uh, and then the question is, how quickly can they cut? And I think that even, you know, it certainly is not going to happen before the, the second half of next year. Uh, and, um, you know, as long as you believe that, people are staying probably a little bit short duration. Um, after this cut, you know, maybe people start, we're, we're seeing uh, investors start to go a little further out on the curve. But my fear is that this sticks around for longer than, than the market expects. Okay, so a little bit of caution may be justified. Jenny, good morning, it's Guy. Um, so, so what are you thinking about doing in that kind, of, that kind of a scenario? When you think about how you are going to be setting up for that kind of a world, what are you doing? And what's your, what is your degree of certainty right now? You, it, it feels as if there, there's a lot of competing forces at play right now that are really difficult to sort of tease apart. So I think there's some real opportunities out there. I mean, first of all, let's face it, you're, you actually get paid to be in fixed income. I mean, even if you're in 
cash in a money market fund, you're getting five and a half percent yield. Um, but I think there's some great areas in the market. I love if you can withstand the illiquidity risk of private credit. I love private credit, you know, and, and, and especially now as regional banks have even retreated, uh, we're seeing in our private credit team anywhere from 11 and a half to 12 and a half percent yields. Those are equity yields in, in the fixed income market. So I think you're, you're, you're seeing that as an opportunity. Um, sure, there, you know, I tend to believe the 10 years actually going to stay up a little bit longer just because of the macroeconomic environment where, you know, the deficit's gone from 30% GDP up to 100% of GDP where it's $31 trillion and you need buyers of that. And if we don't have enough buyers, it's going to keep interest rates on the long end a little bit higher. Higher. Um, so, you know, I think fixed income is a great place to be. How much of that's all built in a longer cycle of higher rates? How much is that built into the equity markets? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm in the equity markets, I actually like a little more conservative, good cash flow, um, generating companies with good dividends. So um, based on that point, 60-40 portfolio, just straight up now, isn't doing great. We're, we're seeing uh, stocks and bonds kind of move together uh, over the last three months. So I'm wondering, with your view on private credit, is it like 60-30-10? Is it 50, it's like fast math, 50-40-10? Uh, what do you think? It all depends on the individual. Sure, <laughs> but, but you're the individual. You know, <laughs> no, I, you know, like, like I said, you know, high yield, you're getting you know, just under 9%, that's a really nice yield. Uh, we're not seeing increase in defaults. So it feels like that that spread is, is actually yeah. pretty comfortable. Uh, and, you know, as long as the con- economy doesn't go into recession, you're not going to see defaults in the fixed income market. Um, again, how much have we priced in? I think I think actually this oh. recent, uh, you know, correction in the equity market has has priced in some of the interest rate and some of the the more uh, growthy stocks. Uh, so you yep. know that's re- that's corrected itself a bit. Um, but you know, again, I, I feel like right now it is possible that we will have that the inflation is going to be harder for the Fed to get under control. Um, you're definitely seeing it, but with that, you're probably going to have rates stay a little bit higher for longer. Jenny, that kind of goes to a little bit about what Ray Dalio was saying at the Greenwich Forum yesterday. He was talking about the high rates that are, that are achievable in high yield and maybe elsewhere, talking a little bit about private credit as well. But the point he was making was, are these really good rates? They're, they're high rates relative to recent experience, post-GFC. Are they really good rates relating to the environment we are in now? Do you still think that the yields that are being offered right now are compensating in, in, uh, investors for what they're seeing and are going to be compensating for that slightly higher inflationary environment that you're alluding to. So I would say yes, because I think that uh, we're not going to have an economy that, that has a hard landing. I think as long as we have a soft landing, um, we're going to be able to withstand. You're not going to start to see defaults on the credit cycle. Um, a lot of the equity market uh, companies actually went long duration on their debt. So their debt's really cheap compared to what the market is. And so, you know, they, as, as long as you have a good cash flowing company, you're going to be able to withstand an environment of higher interest rates. Um, and, you know, as long as you don't have a lot of defaults, you're actually getting paid really well compared to where inflation is today.
Um, Jenny, how do you view the dysfunction in Washington? And, and I'll tie this back to long-term yield. Clearly, there's fiscal dysfunction. Uh, clearly, it looks like we are headed more towards a government shutdown now in November, since there's no House Speaker right now. Um, and I'm wondering, does this just permanently increase the term premium we're going to have to see in the long-term bond market because of this, because of the fiscal deficit, the fiscal spend, and the inability for Washington to get stuff done? And how does that sort of frame any long-term thinking? So I actually tend to think a lot of that is noise. Obviously, it's dysfunctional. But, you know, let's face it, even if the government, um, you know, couldn't come to agreement, you, you know, an IOU from the U.S. government is probably the best IOU you can get. I think the longer term issue and story is just just this year, the, the U.S. deficit this year is going to be two trillion dollars up from a trillion dollars last year. That all gets added yep to the U.S. government debt. And the trajectory continues to increase. So, you know, you're gonna have to find buyers of that. So who are the buyers? If if the debt's 31 trillion, 25 trillion of it is required today to, to have buyers. That's, the Fed is 25%. You take, you know, foreign investors, Japan's only 1.1 trillion. They're the largest foreign investor. Then you're looking at corporates, mutual funds, pension funds. They're all gonna have to support that U.S. government debt. Uh, and so I, I actually think that's the bigger worry is just, the, the pace in which we're taking on debt as a, as a country. Does that mean you want to look outside the United States, Jenny? <laughs> well, I do think there's some really interesting stories outside the United States. I mean, it, you know, we look at it in the emerging markets, the China plus one story, right? You know, we, we learned, companies learned that that during COVID, you can't rely, your supply chain can't rely on a single country. And so, you know, it's not that they're leaving China because China is actually, uh, you know, a, 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 a cheap source of uh, supply chain, uh, but they're going to places like Vietnam, mm-hmm. India, Indonesia. And so all those become opportunities to, uh, to be able to invest in. And so, uh, yes, I think there are opportunities. You go to Latin America where you have, you know, much of the raw materials for batteries uh, are going to be supplied out of Latin America. So I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities in those markets as well. It feels though if, if, if yields stay higher, dollar is also stronger, that EM is where things break. As Jenny Johnson looks at the landscape, what are you worried about breaking? What am I worried about breaking? <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, here's the point. You never really can predict. Obviously, as I said, I'm worried about the U.S. debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important lesson that we learn over and over is have a diversified portfolio because you cannot predict all these things. Usually when people are predicting it, it's already built into the prices in the market. So the best message I can give to everybody <laughs> is make sure you yeah. have a very diverse portfolio. But the problem, Jenny, at the moment is that that diversified portfolio isn't really working. Alex was talking about 60-40 a little bit earlier on. Bonds and equities are moving in the same direction. Yeah, you could probably get some diversification by being in in, uh, private markets and and maybe in, in real assets as well. But people are struggling to diversify in a world where bonds and equities are doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's always a challenge. It's unusual that that happens. Um, But, you know, again, you're actually getting paid pretty well in the fixed income market. You know, I mean, if inflation's, I don't know, what, 4% or so, you you know, you're you're getting in high yield almost 9%. So those are not bad returns. Mm -hmm. And even if rates go up a little bit, you're you're just going to have a little degradation of that. Uh, So I, I actually think that you're getting paid in these markets for, you know, for the risk. 
Uh, Jenny, we love talking to you. You're so honest. You're thoughtful. We really enjoy the conversation. Jenny Johnson, uh, Franklin Templeton, CEO. We'll see you next time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.